and welcome back to the Golden Hurricast, a weekly podcast covering University of Tulsa Athletics. I'm Matt Rectine. And I'm Ryan Token. Just kidding, I'm Pat Fox. Yeah, so uh, we got another Nook special for you guys this week. Ryan is coming down with some sort of sickness um, that is just... He's down with the sickness? Down with the sickness. Not down with the thickness, unfortunately, just the sickness. Uh, and so it's just Pat and I this week, uh, and Mox is chilling, chilling up here with us. Um... And all of JJ's books. Yeah, a lot of books up here. It's like a library. Um, So, an interesting week in Tulsa basketball. Um, Just, uh, I guess we'll go over kind of a lopsided loss to Cincinnati. And then a resounding, like, rebound win against Houston on Saturday. And so, we'll dive into those and then look ahead at East Carolina and Tulane upcoming this week. Uh, So, let's go ahead. Let's get started. Stay golden. Okay. Um, so this was an interesting week in basketball just because, I mean, just from a personal standpoint, I kind of jokingly said that I thought we would beat Cincinnati or beat Houston and lose to Cincinnati. And then I laughed that off and I was like, no, there's no way that's going to happen. And then, you know what? That's exactly what ended up happening. Cincinnati ended up beating us 75-44 on the road. And then we ended up, I don't know if, I, I think it's a... St- steal of a game but beating houston 63 61 it's our first a or b win according to ken palm so that's i mean it, it's a big win even though it's at home mm-hmm. and so the a i think is a top 50 at home right yeah because they're houston's probably 30 something this year they were 29 when we they're 29 face, so they'll, yeah. they'll probably drop somewhere in the 30s yeah that was no they're still 29 are, yeah. after today Mm-hmm. Oh. All right, I stand corrected. But just going into that Cincinnati game, uh, this is one that I was just kind of worried about in the sense that Cincinnati had just recently lost to Tulane, which, I mean, looking at it now, Tulane is not really that bad of a loss, maybe. Yeah, they have a real coach. Yeah, a real coach. They just beat uh, Temple in Philadelphia on Saturday as well. Wild day. Like, East Carolina beat SMU, Tulane beats Temple, and then we beat Houston. Like, the opposite of what you expect from that day uh this was an ugly game very very ugly to watch i think the biggest thing that sticks out for me is that we went 0 from 17 from three which is wild and only happened because i just talked about how jariah horn and brandon rochelle were doing really well from three against temple when you know we had our own lopsided win just to bounce back and immediately get to this it looked ugly it looked ugly. I guess. I mean, it wasn't that bad through the first half. Through the no, first they half, were down three at half. It was probably the worst second half. They scored under twenty points in the second half, I believe. I think. I think we did twenty-two. Uh, in twenty-two. Both halves. Okay. Okay. Down four at half. Yeah, twenty-two in both halves. Hmm. It just. Yeah. I guess the defense was this horrible. Yeah, forty-nine in the second half of the defense. This is pretty god awful. Um, and yeah, I said you're right. Over seventeen for three. Is just like I I I wonder what the last time somebody's won a game like that shooting zero percent from, from like th- more than ten attempts. Yeah, especially against like a not horrible team, like maybe some like yeah, you know what I'm saying like against especially against a top fifty team or top sixty. I think they're fifty seven in Kempom, but still, it's pretty bad. It sucks. I really hate Cincinnati, so you know it stings. I think Deron Cumberland's very overrated. Yeah. And uh-huh. he had been looking like that for a lot of this season, but then he kind of came awake this game, put up 22 points. Uh, I think he had eight assists and seven rebounds, so he had a really strong game. Yeah. And then his cousin put up 16 points on us. The Cumberlands just hate Tulsa is what it comes down to. Apparently. I still think what... Brandon Rochelle's better, but whatever. Yeah, it 
Definitely didn't look like that during the game, at least. He had a pretty – an off game for him. Nobody on our, nobody on Tulsa actually had double-digit points, which is kind of surprising. No, if you go by offensive and defensive rating, our best player was Josh Early, who only played four minutes. So probably an outlier. Not really a good game from anybody. I mean, his defensive – or his offensive rating was good, but his defensive so rating So net was, rating is what I, is okay, what I meant. Okay, yeah. Igbanu def- probably had the best game. Yeah, because early his defensive rating was 118, so yeah. I think that was the worst. But his offensive rating was so good. On I don't what did he do? Was it just his lone assist? He's probably it's the four minutes he was out there. They're good. Oh, and he scored. He had a free yeah. throw and yeah, got an assist. Um, but yeah, I mean it's it was a god awful game. Let's just be honest. Not I mean no need to discuss it. Let's move. It's I mean I think me and Token talked about this earlier this year. Talked about this earlier this year. It's this this team isn't gonna make sense. And I think Kelly Hines tweeted that too. It's like it's they're just going to be so up and down. You, I mean, if you're expecting like consistency, you shouldn't. They're going to beat good teams and they're going to get killed by good teams and probably lose to some bad teams. I mean, we've already done all of those yeah. so far. So yeah, this is a team where it seems like the highs can be pretty high. Like uh, you know, it's like straight heroin, like real good yeah, heroin beat high. Up, beat up on Temple, beat Houston. Uh, the Vanderbilt one was pretty exciting at the time, uh, but then I mean. The UT Arlington, we were talking about, like, oh, you know, that's might not be a bad loss. And Looks pretty like, bad. They're, they're like six, six and twelve. And, yeah. yeah, definitely not the powerhouse uh, that we thought they were going to be. And they dropped. They're probably lower than us in camp. I mean, they like one thirty-five. Yeah, they yeah. have to be lower than us. Speaking of what, what are we now? Did we one fifteen? We wow. dropped from one hundred one to one sixteen. Then only jumped up one after the win. Okay, I feel like maybe come Monday we might jump up more. You think so? After more movement, I feel like it's always like a two-day kind of. Yeah, because people play Saturday, Sunday for the weekend. Yeah, that's fair. So, uh, uh, yeah, bad day on Wednesday. Do you want to talk about the fun game? Yeah, let's just hop right over to the Houston game. A lot more exciting. And I think another story of this one, it goes back to three pointers. This is and the biggest. This is the biggest development in Tulsa basketball history, maybe since like the last time we made the tournament. Is like the craziest. It's probably the least deserving team to ever make the tournament. This is probably the biggest development since then. I think we were like the fourth least deserving team to make the tournament. Yeah, but I think the least deserving was like VCU, and they made the Final Four that year. So, um, yeah, we we gave Michigan a run for their money in that playing game. Yeah, we covered, baby. But what I'm talking about is that Darian Jackson can now shoot three pointers. What else is there to say? Like he's basically, I mean, before that he was the best. Before he could even shoot three pointers, his season like offensive rating was by far the highest at 124. Or no, one twenty-seven, and now he can shoot three pointers. Like how? Like how? Like people don't even like the whole reason he was shooting in this game is because Houston didn't bother guarding him, so he's like let it fly. If he can do that now, like what is the what is the limit to his ceiling? Is there any? I'm not sure that there is. I mean, do you know off the top of your head how many three pointers he's actually attempted before? Uh, it was zero for four in the season going 0 for into four that. in the season, and it looks like. He was three for seven in the game. Yeah, he missed four his freshman year. He missed one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oh, so over fourteen. So he's over like eighteen in his career, and then he goes three for seven and just kills Houston. And I mean, on top of that, it wasn't just the threes. Although the threes are incredible. Like what else? He was our most efficient player. Well, but he's always that. He's like so good at like passing and driving. He really should have had twenty one points, or maybe even twelve. But he got fouled on a, on that breakaway layup towards the end of the game, and they didn't call it. But you know, just just you know, no big deal. Um, but yeah, he's he's so good. Besides that, like he's arguably been our best player all year, besides probably Rochelle. and just adding on like the part of his game that's so horrible. It's seriously like it can make him like incredibly deadly if he's actually good at th- shooting threes. It could also just be a mirage where he was completely wide open. And it's kind of like the like the Giannis Ben Simmons effect. Not that he's that level player, but it's like just the idea that he could shoot threes completely changes the game because you at least have to respect him in that department. Yeah, and I mean, I guess you could say him being wide open makes it a mirage, but I've seen him take wide open threes before and they were nowhere like near as good. No, they've been pretty bad misses. Also, his form looks a lot better. It's not like it's like crazy, but it's like respectable. It's not. It's not like... I wonder if he's just been sitting on this for a while. It's not like Michael Kidd Gilchrist bad. <laughs> I wonder if he's just been like sitting on this, like waiting to like pull it out. Well, he said like in post game, like man, I, I make him in practice. I mean, he's a college basketball player, like, and I mean, you know, like I can make threes at the gym. You know, he should. He can, I'm not surprised that he can like make threes, but it's completely different in game. You know, 
and it's like it's it's a nice development if that's like it's like it wasn't like you know it wasn't like two for four. it was three for seven he was not only like making them he was taking them too he was confident i mean another good game by brandon rochelle bounced back after the bad cincinnati loss he had 18 points two assists six rebounds but he was by far our best uh player on offense just like from an overall rating i think he was 166 yeah darian jackson was 139 yeah with dry horn so it's nice to see those three uh, firing on, on all cylinders because yeah. once they're going like our team is rolling yeah and Rochelle had like three steals too which is like he's averaging like 2.1 on the season he's so good he had a couple I think I kind of jinxed him in the Cincinnati game but against Jerron Cumberland he likes to stole straight up stole the ball from him on like a post up and then I said like texted like uh Brandon Rochelle's better than Jerron Cumberland then like went downhill from there but uh he's maybe like you should just not text us anything during games maybe yeah it's just but it is I mean we kind of go as Rochelle goes. We need him to have good games. We're pretty, I mean, lost without him. We don't really have a creator besides him, even a guard. Unless, of course, this Darian Jackson shooting threes is real, then he's probably, I mean, I don't know, Steph Curry with athleticism. Yeah. Uh, and the one thing, uh, we talked about it last week, just it looks like, so at least against Houston, I, I say that, and now I'm going back and looking at Cincinnati. Yeah, so... Ugbo got did get the start against Cincinnati, which is kind of what we talked about expecting, especially since they're you know big they're center. Big, yeah, uh, but I don't think we did a great do- job of shutting him down. He and he had twelve points, eleven total rebounds, couple blocks. Um, so I mean maybe it would have been worse since he was their leading scorer through that point. But uh, Ugbo then also started against Houston, but only played four total minutes in that game. Yeah, not a great game for our centers at all against Houston. Igbonu was pretty bad too, but he did get 33 minutes. Um, by far, most off the bench. Um, I don't know. I'd like to see more. I'd, I think I've been saying this since last year. I'd love to see more lineups with Horn at center. I do like that they moved Igbonu to the bench because I think he has more advantages going against backups mm-hmm. with his post game. Um, he's still just kind of a... I don't know. He's had he's had a pretty bad season. It's kind of sad, but yeah, it's like he's a negative right now for the team, even though like half our team is negatives, honestly. Yeah, which kind of sucks because we've seen like when he's on, he's been really good. But he's, he's like just, the best, he's so good at drawing fouls. Yeah, and he's kind of like, which isn't great so far this year because his free throw percentage is just not that good. Yeah, it's so, kind of he's like I feel like what he could have been is a guy we're gonna see this week, Jaden Gardner on ECU who's like draws like a crazy amount of fouls but he can he's really good free throw shooter and he's averaging like 21 and 9 and I feel like that's what everybody wants Igbonu to be but he's just not as efficient as Gardner and really we don't I don't know it's like ECU's not very good so they can build the offense around this guy we I mean yeah we can't build we have better players to build the offense around than Igbonu yeah you know Gardner like should be first team all conference and honestly if he by the end of the year He's putting up such ridiculous stats. He could get like player of the year recognition, even though his team's maybe the worst in the conference. Is he a is sophomore? He, true sophomore. Is he a center though, or is he? Uh, I think he's a power forward. Okay. He, I mean, he's like. I mean, it depends. Whatever. He's six six. Yeah. He's thick. Positionless basketball, though. I don't know what to call like these position players since they. I mean, he plays like them. a center. He's a post up, draw foul kind of guy. Okay. Yeah. Other than like Igbanu. Our free throw, especially Houston, we went 17 for 20, uh, which is you know much better than we've been doing on the season because we were under 70% through most of it. So to you know have a nice 85% game, that's huge because I mean, we don't win without actually making those shots. So if you drop that down to 70, we get blown out in this game. So it's nice to see a rebound in shooting better from you know the points that you're just given. Yeah, seriously, it's it's just how you shoot yourself in the foot. We probably lost at least two games last year just because we're bad at free throws. And it's over the years. I mean, Tulsa, it's such a weird difference between like how bad some college kids are at shooting free throws compared to like I was watching a lot of NBA. And it's more of a given, and it it really just like turns game with the one and one. I think even like so many times you see guys miss the front end of one and ones, and it's just yeah, it's just, it's just strange, but it's part of the game. And if you can make them, you're more likely to win. It's a very generic statement. I'm sorry. <laughs> Score more points, folks. Yeah, the more points you have than the other team, the more likely you are to win. 
Um, still disconcerting to see the number of turnovers we had against Houston. We still had 14. I mean, that matched with their 14 because we forced had eight a lot. steals. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it comes down to uh, I guess just going back on Igbanu and then Hill is just can't keep the ball he's been pretty bad recently yeah i don't know if it's just a lot of freshmen like rookie mistakes kind of thing which i imagine a lot of it is but it's just he needs to get better hands better grasp of not giving the ball away Hmm. sad to see reggie jones only get four minutes i really think he's a very good player i think i don't know i know it's like lawson creed is like you know glue guy really good and Mm -hmm. he should be playing more but it's like i don't know Reggie Jones is like a six-seven guy with a long wingspan. I can just think can really shoot it. It's a, I don't know. We're not like a we're not a tournament team. It would be nice to see kind of Frank Haith not put everybody in the doghouse at the the second they do something bad. Yeah, and it seems kind of weird that he's cutting the rotation like pretty heavily to only seven guys is what it seems like. Uh, whether and then a lot of that depends on whether or not. Ugbo actually gets to play a lot or yeah. plays a short game. But it all comes down to like Horn, Rochelle, Karita, Joyner, Igbanu, Jackson, Hill. And then you'll either have like maybe Ugbo or Reggie Jones will play. I mean you're giving I mean you're giving Igbanu thirty three him and Horn had thirty three and thirty six to lead the team. I just feel like he shouldn't be playing Igbanu thirty three minutes and Reggie Jones four. Even though they play different positions, but you know, positionless basketball. There's a lot of things we could do to get like I don't. Know. I think he's arguably maybe the second most talented player on the team behind and, Rochelle. Yeah, and I'd like to see him play more. He's shown like he's just like he's legit. What is it like? Why do you think Haith is benching him or not actually putting him in? Has he? Why would he? What has he done to actually be in the doghouse? It's not anything on the court. Probably because right? he shoot. Probably because he doesn't like some of the shots he's taking. I bet he shot selection and like stuff like that. Frank, I mean, Haith just kind of has, like, a, it seems like a short leash with those kind of guys. And he's not like a, I mean, his strength is shooting. So he's, I mean, so I think Haith, I would guess it's like he's not taking smart shots compared to a guy like Carito where he does, like, all the smart little things, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like he's more of a leash because he does, like, small things to help the team compared to Jones when he's not, like, if he's not shooting well, then he's not as valuable. But he can shoot it a, bit, a lot better than a lot of people. Yeah. Speaking of Carita, is it a sign that he ha- he should keep whatever he was doing with his hair since we actually beat Houston? What? It was hideous, but yeah. He looked <laughs> like a knockoff like Samurai movie in the seventies. It it didn't look like a like a you were calling it a top bun. It was a top it, knot. Well, is that what that's what it's called, I think. It's think. pretty bad. Yeah. But it worked. I mean, maybe not I don't remember what was his stat line against. He did so Carita. Five points. Three, Not a great game. Three rebounds, but it's the spirit. Yeah, the seven, spirit seventy-one the offensive line. rating, one hundred and eleven defensive rating. Yeah, that's what that's what it takes to beat a team like Houston. So, really, we only had three guys play well, but they played really well against Houston. Yeah, and we did really well to sh- just shutting them down, shutting Houston down. I mean, you had yeah Caleb Mills, uh, Jarreau did well, and Marcus Sasser. But other than that, I mean, other than those three guys, they had nine points. I mean, I think the key to the game, it's like I was with the commentators, the whole thing, Houston is so different from last year's team. You wouldn't, like, if you, it's nothing like that. Like, they were just, like, basically an NBA team and how efficient they were on offense and just had shooters everywhere and were just so good with their guards. This team basically lives or dies by the offensive rebound. And we, we out-rebounded them on the offensive boards this game. Really, that's, like, the key for them is just to get second-chance points. And we, we, I don't know, we're so much better this year than we've been in past years at rebounding. That really helps, I'm especially. Giving up all those second chance. Yeah. I think the key, I really do think the difference to that is Rochelle. He's just like such, and Jackson to an extent, but mostly Rochelle. It's like he's so good at hustling on the boards. Yeah. And that's, I mean, we've talked about it in the past, but those guys are, they're just crashing for anything. If it's, like if somebody doesn't go up to make the effort for it, they will out effort the ball away yeah. from someone. That, yeah. Jackson and Rochelle, like you can talk about their skills. The first thing you think of when you think of them is like is hustle. Yeah. And I guess so just reflecting on this with the loss to Cincinnati and the win over Houston, like this conference seems very bizarre. Like I'm Oh yeah. I'm still I mean, I was convinced last week that Wichita State was gonna win and then they handled Memphis pretty well. And I think Memphis did they lose today? To USF? 
Yeah, they were down. No, okay, so they came back and won by four against South Florida, but like, I think we have Wichita three tournament State, teams. It's yeah, not nearly Wichita as deep State as last year. Went to double overtime against UConn, but won. I think it was in you at UConn, but I mean, other than that, I guess you it. Is it then Houston, Memphis, or Memphis, Houston? It's or? like a toss-up. I think. I think Memphis is better, is more talented. Um, Houston probably has better coached, but I definitely think like probably the best player in the conference, in my opinion, is on Memphis in Precious. I mean, I don't know how to say his last name off the top of my head, but he's a really good freshman, and I think I I, I do think Hardaway's done a really good job. I mean, losing their best player, arguably their two best players going into the season, not getting Rajon Tucker too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just put all these freshmen together and a couple sophomores, really. They lost so many guys from last year. All their, like, their good seniors left, too. So it's a completely new team, and they're blending this talent really well together. Yeah. But I don't think, like, I thought Houston could have been a Final Four team last year. Like, they barely lost in Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And they had, like, the talent. I don't think anybody's nearly as good as that Houston team. I'd say there's basically, like, three teams. Like, I know you say Wichita State's the best. I think so, too. But I don't think there's that much separation from Memphis or... Houston. Okay. So I think it's a bunch of Cincinnati's this year. But they won't choke in the first round, I don't think. <laughs> Only Cincinnati can choke in the first round. But they probably they won't. Do. Cincinnati will not make the first round this year because I don't think they make the tournament. Yeah, I mean, I would be surprised at this point. They Unless they like, win the conference any, tournament. Yeah. yeah, and they don't have any like good wins yet. That's the problem this this year. So like going to the conference last year, you could you could like you could play your way into the tournament because there's that many quality wins to mm-hmm. get. I don't think there's that this year. I think if you don't have a strong resume coming into the not into yeah, the conference, you, you have to beat Wichita State. You have to Memphis beat. You have Houston, to win the conference. Basically, anybody yeah. else doesn't really help you that. As much. one like like say for us or something, we like us or like a Temple or even like a Cincy, or like UConn really like any of those guys, any of us would have to like dominate the conference to make the tournament without winning the conference tournament. You're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we. I think it's a it's a sharp drop off, but yeah. And still, UConn sucks. Amazing, God. Some things never change. Yeah, whatever. The more things change, the more things stay the same. Um. Okay. Well, you want to look ahead towards this week's matchup against teams that. Okay, so we play East Carolina Wednesday at six o'clock, and then we'll play Tulane on Saturday at one. Both games, I think, so we're favored to beat East Carolina by four, but I think we're. We're like underdogs against Tulane now. We're projected to lose by two on Kempom. They're both ranked lower than us on Kempom, even though Tulane, I mean, they've looked good recently. They're still, I mean, a first-year coach. He's a good coach, though, Ron Hunter. Mm-hmm. So it's going to take years to build that program. But it's clearly like you show, like, they. I mean, they had a guy who was a good NBA, good coach in the NBA in the 90s as their head basketball coach. That just doesn't work in college that basketball. doesn't translate to college basketball no, it 20, doesn't at 30 all. years later? No. Um. No, so now they have a real coach, and that just that pays dividends. Yeah, it kind it'd of, be nice to have that, wouldn't it? Yeah, kind of. I was gonna say, like, I hate all these teams having like good coaches. Like, my hope was that Penny Hardaway was gonna be a good recruiter, but not a good coach. And then, like you were just saying, he's done a really good job of like blending the talent they have to like make them a successful team. And I was like, man, that sounds nice. And now Tulane comes in with their new coach. They've already beat Cincinnati at home. They've already beat. Like one on the road and beat Temple, like they're having, it sucks, and he hasn't even like recruited his players yet. Yeah. So, anyways, off tra- off topic. So let's do East Carolina first. Um, and this is, I believe, that Ryan is setting up an interview uh, with the guys at East Carolina, similar to what we did with football. Uh, so we don't want to spend too too much time on this. Uh, but let's go back. You were, I mean, we already did some of it because you said that East Carolina might have the best player that we've played against already. No, I mean the conference. I'm trying to think. Aaron, the guy on Vanderbilt is the best player we played against. Is it? Yeah, that guy's really good. Okay. He's like next Ray Allen. You heard, heard it here first. Um, well, probably more like Ben McLemore, but still pretty good. Um, but Jaden Gardner for a college player is very good. Just a big bruising body down low, kind of undersized. Um, like six six, but just gets gets to the foul line really well. So that could be a good matchup for us, is because we don't foul that often. He's really good at drawing fouls. Um, I mean, this should East Carolina is the worst team in the conference. We should win. 
Right, but didn't I mean, we 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 had to win in overtime last year, East Carolina though, when they wore those puzzle uniforms. Mm-hmm. It was for a good cause. I should make one, but you know, yeah. Um, but we so I mean I I wouldn't be surprised if we went zero and two this week, but I think we'll go one and one probably. Okay. East Carolina is two and one in conference. They beat SMU and South Florida, so really South Florida might be the worst team. Yeah, it kind of sucks because I mean they were. No, it's East Carolina by a long shot. You think? What's yeah. The, what's East Carolina's Ken Palm ranking? Two twenty nine, which is the low. Which, I mean, for being the lowest in our conference, is not that bad. Like last year wasn't Ken or wasn't Tulane somewhere in like the three hundreds? Yeah, Tulane was one of the worst year. teams in the country, and then East Carolina was also one of the worst teams in the country. So you know, market marked improvement across the board, but media, I guess, more mediocre at the top. So, is what the conference is. Two lines a bad matchup for us, too. Not on the road. One, we're pretty bad at turning the ball over, which they do a really good job of turning over. And also, we kind of live on like creating steals with Rochelle and Jackson and the mm-hmm. guards, and they don't do that very often. They're pretty good at ball security. So it just seems like a bad matchup, and they're much better, and they're much better coached. Or they're much better than last year, and they're much better coached. I think we're still more talented, but it just seems like a classic Frank Haith kind of loss. Like a trap. Uh, not even a trap game. Just but... an out-coached game. <clears throat> Which is, uh, I don't know, it's tough. Because this is a game where if we lose to Tulane, even though we're underdogs, I would be not, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked at any I'd be point. disappointed. Yeah, it's a, it's a game that we should be winning. And, I mean, you go, you go back and you look at a lot of these games, and a lot of them are that. Like Kansas State is a game we should have won. UT Colorado State. Colorado State, Arkansas State. Maybe it's just all these states. Yeah. So that's the issue. We should stop playing. Tulane State. Yeah, so as long as... Um, since they're not Tulane State, we should win. Uh, we should actually, I mean, we should be fine until Wichita State, but I wouldn't expect us to win any of those anyways. No. Um, so, yeah, not a whole lot of, um, I guess, analysis on Tulane's team. We're not super familiar with them, but, you know, I expect us to go 1-1 one and one this week. No, I expect us to go 2-0. and oh. I don't think we'll go. I think we'll beat East Carolina somewhat handily by 10 points, and then I think we'll beat Tulane by, like, 4 or 5. Uh, no overtime needed for either of those games. Uh, I think that Jackson will make another three sometime this week, and I think Brandon Rochelle will shoot 33% from three. I will say, if Jackson keeps us up, I think it's like, if that's legit, that completely changes our team. Because you watch the games, it's like playing four on five sometimes on offense in half court with him. Mm-hmm. So if that's like real, and he's like really good at driving, and he's like, you know, that's... That could definitely change stuff. Do you think he swings back into the starting rotation because he came off the bench for both those games? No, because I don't think he's going to bench Karita or Joyner. I think he should be in the starting rotation, but he's not going to. Maybe. I don't know. Frank Haith just does what... I feel like he just throws it against the board. You know? So maybe. I could see him... Joyner and Karita both had bad games, so I could see him going... I could, but I don't think he will. If we lose to ECU, yes. Uh, Yeah. I don't and, want to get in the mind of Frank Haith right now. Okay. Well, if not in the mind of Frank Haith, what about your faith in him? Where is that at this week? I mean, same as it was last week. I'm not going to change my tune because he beat Houston at home. So you're going to use the exact same one? If if you were to see him, you would kiss him up on the cheeks? Yeah, I'd kiss him on, on the cheek in front of a Roman guard. That's the only situation. Um, it's, there's, nothing, there's nothing to believe in. He shouldn't be a, he shouldn't be our head basketball coach. He should be fired. I'd feel bad, but like he has millions of dollars too, so I don't yeah. feel that bad. I just like the way the season is going where if we end up 500 in the conference because it's like we have a bad loss and then a good win and then blah 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 and that keeps happening over and over again, then what do we end? We end with a like 19 and 15 record again or like we've been in that same Yeah, boat. which isn't good. And I feel like they're not going to fire him. I feel like the university does not have the nerve to actually fire Frank Haith. Like, because then they'll have to go into like find a new coach instead of just staying with, you know, what's the comfortable choice. It's yeah, it's it's, I don't know, but this week is an important week. Um, it feels like they're like stuck in a, I don't know. It's like I mean the kids. It's like it's, I feel like they're waiting. Like I mean, let's just go. The kids aren't in college yet. It'd just be awkward. Can really afford like a second home at this point. So you think they're waiting until the TV contract, or I mean, I don't. I, I don't know what they're... I think they're waiting until they have money. I mean, really... So TV... It's one of the most interesting situations in, in like, sports, I think. TU's weird financial situation. You keep not getting money when you extend him. Every time you extend him, you're 
putting more money on the table that year. Yeah, it's, it's like a bad. It's a bad investment. It's a. It seems like it's a like when you cost. keep building blockbusters in like two thousand seven. Uh, man, what is what is my real faith? Yeah, I'm just like, I'm like Thomas the Doubter, but right. Read up on your Bible, folks. Yeah. Um, but yeah. these two games, these this is an important week, uh, I think, just to establish momentum going forward. Because right after this, we got a matchup with Memphis uh, at home. But that's going to be one. Well, I think that's going to be a really fun game. Uh, it was a lot of fun last year playing Memphis, just because they forced us to play uh, at a much faster pace, which is always more exciting. We got a little of that from Temple. Uh, then we play UConn, Wichita State, and UConn. So those four games, I mean, the UConn games. The I think UConn's we'll are win. must wins for just like pride. Yeah, we have to win those two because I mean, if we if lose we were... to UConn right before they leave, like that just sucks. Yeah, I, that would be the worst thing to happen this entire season. I don't care about anything else other than we have to sweep UConn. I don't think we beat. I, I, the one, the two things with this, I think it's going to be a hectic season going forward. The only guarantee I would have is we don't beat Wichita State in the regular season. That's the one. There's the kind of team that don't lose to teams like Tulsa. You know, they're solid. Yeah. I could see us beating Memphis at home, but the one thing I would say is we don't beat Wichita State. Yeah, especially because they basically get two home games against us because their fans travel so well. Yeah, travel so well, and they're only like three. they're super nice too, which is annoying. Yeah, God. If... That's like the thing. Like, I don't. I don't hate like Wichita State is one of my favorite. They are easily my second favorite team to root for in the conference. Yeah. Like I really like. It's really, Greg it's Marshall. really nice one. This is like and, the most recent program we bought in, and now like they're better than the one we're losing. I, I mean, I would definitely. Wouldn't you argue that you? I oh rather, yeah, Wichita State. I mean, that just the trajectory of the school, the programs is like, yeah, it's like, vastly different. Yeah. And then you know, UConn's hoping that switching to the Big East will fix that, but I don't think the conference is the issue. I think it's just there's. It seems like their they school say doesn't they, they, put a lot of money into their. Well, athletics. yeah, they say it'll fix their recruiting issue because nobody from their old recruiting grounds wants to play against Tulsa because they don't want to lose to Tulsa. Um, but or like you know they don't they want to play against like the old teams, UConn, the old Big East. But we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. I liked Hurley before we saw him last year. He kind of seems like a fraud when he tried to fight Haith. Yeah, he tried to fight Haith, which you know really would've, don't would've mind been that. Hilarious. I don't mind that part. The more when he said like Jariah Horn was a one-dimensional player when he dropped twenty-eight on him and was doing spin moves in the post. And I mean, it's like same thing. Go back to that game we played against Ohio years ago, where he's like, "Oh yeah, TU's players are just going to be a bunch of car salesmen when they're done. They're not going to do anything." Which is. Bullshit yeah, because Shaq Harrison is in the NBA right now, and James Wooder is actually doing really good. Like I think he's in Israel. He's one of the top European leagues. He's doing good. Yeah, he was in France for a while. So, so. Don't, don't trash talk our players because it's bullshit. Hey everyone, I mentioned that I thought Ryan was going to sit down and talk to the East Carolina guys from the Sports Objective podcast, uh, and he did end up making that happen. So we'll be, we'll end the episode with his conversation, uh, all about previewing Wednesday night's matchup. All right, and we've got the guys from the Sports Objective Podcast with us here today to preview Wednesday's ECU game. We had them on just a few weeks back, really, uh, to conclude the football season and are super happy to have them back on to talk to basketball. So welcome to the show, guys. How are you all doing? Doing well. I'm doing fantastic. I appreciate you having us back, Ryan, and uh, hard to believe the football season's over and basketball is in full swing and uh, definitely looking forward to Wednesday night's matchup. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks fun. so much for having us on again. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a bummer that neither of us um, got you know lucky enough to take place in any kind of postseason football this year. But hopefully, we'll both get back to that spot next year and can have some fun then. But for now, we've got basketball season as you mentioned Wednesday, uh, six o'clock Central, seven o'clock Eastern for the Tulsa ECU game um, in East Carolina in Greensville. Uh, so you got the first question I've got for you. Um, you started off. I, I was surprised to see this. Um, you started off two and seven, surged all, like all the way back. All of a sudden, you're eight and eight. So a seven and one stretch or a six and one stretch in that span. Um, how did that happen? And what changed for the Pirates basketball team after those first nine games that got to, that got you guys to where you are now? Well, I'll take uh, that one. Uh, what happened for us is uh, starting off, we had eleven new guys. There was four freshmen, seven JUCOs. Um, we had two, only were two returning players. So you had that issue of chemistry. Um, and then one of our players uh, recently was kicked off the team, Seth Day, which um, 
we won't get into that, but uh, I guess he had just differences with the with Coach Dooley. So you only have one now. You only have one returning player from last year. Um, having said that, we had some off as far as off season. There were some injuries of um, Tyree Pig Jackson, t- uh, Tremont Robinson, White, or two. Um, that's our backcourt. So we didn't have our backcourt for a good portion of that. And there's still, um, as Coach Dooley's talked about, he only feels just a couple weeks ago that Tremont Robinson White, as far as his first step and be explosive, he's only at 65%. That was a, a couple weeks ago. So um, that was, a, I think, a down point for us, too, was the Coppin State game. We lost, um, I think we gave up, Bubba said, 85 points and just played terrible defense. And I remember covering that press conference. That was the 2-7 and seven mark, if my memory serves me right. And, that was definitely so far the low point of the season. And I feel like that basically what happened in a nutshell is that the players were doing, just based on what they were saying, um, even before their press conference started, they were doing things their way. They didn't listen to the coaches. And I feel like that it was at a point they lost at two and seven is when they the team really bought in. Um, plus you had the guys starting to get healthy again. They started to, they played a number of games that had been nine games at that point. And that's after the Coppin State game is when they really started to go on the winning streak and really, I feel like, turned things around. Yeah, and also I'll add on to that about 11 new players and, uh, you know, not not living up to expectations and having to come together and having some injuries. And then they started clicking. And, and keep in mind, you know, um, our color analyst uh, for the Pirates uh, IMG radio network, a guy named Cy Seymour, a guy who was in coaching, you know, for I don't know, however many years. and has been our color analyst for 20 years, said by far this is the most talented basketball team in East Carolina history, at least the team keeping up with it. So when you, when you got them starting to finally come together as a team with 11 new pieces, uh, it, it's, it's not that shocking, really, that all of a sudden it looks like a completely different team. But <laughs> when you when you watch these guys play from, from losing to Coffin State and now watch them against SMU, it literally looks like two different teams. It, doesn't look like the same guys on the court. Yeah, so no that's bizarre. So let me let me make sure I heard you correctly. You're saying that your color analyst said that this is the most talented East Carolina team uh, in in ever or in the past X amount of years or what? And, and since he's been here, 20 years. Wow. So probably ever. <laughs> that's incredible. So what what is so I know you mentioned you've got the one returning guy. I, I mean that's Jaden Gardner. Um, outside of him, who have been the big standout? players who are making this the best team you guys have had yeah like yeah like you said um, Jaden Gardner he's averaging 21 points about nine and a half rebounds uh, he's scoring in double figures every single ball game and um, he's he's had double doubles I think in eight out of our 16 games to this point so he's clearing away um, our our leader and he's just a sophomore. It's crazy to think that he's only halfway through his sophomore season. And um, just here in the last day or so, he was named um, the Americans uh, Player of the Week for a second time this year. But in addition to Jaden, um, you have a freshman, Brandon Suggs. He's been very consistent um, out of our 16 games. I want to say he's scoring double figures, 12 of those. Um, he's just been very solid, doesn't do anything great. Um, but um, he's also probably averages about four, four and a half rebounds a game. He's a guy that can step out and knock down the three, doesn't hit a ton of them, um, but he does have that capability, can also take it to the hole. Um, you also have, like Dave said, um, since early to mid-December, Ty- Tyree Pig-Jackson, he's a guy that originally went to Virginia Tech and and then uh, came to us from a JUCO. He's really come on. Uh, he had at least three games, I think, where he's knocked down four threes. And he had a really nice game in that victory over SMU. And then you also had um, J.J. Miles. Uh, he's been a little inconsistent, hasn't shot the ball as well as he's capable of, um, but he um, he did have a nice game against SMU, knocked down three of eight from three-point range. And so those are some of the guys, uh, in addition to Jaden, that you'd have to be on the lookout for. Yeah, very cool. I, was, uh, I, I am surprised that, um, you know, how strong you guys looked. I, I got to watch that SMU game, and, man, it did not look like these Carolina teams of days of old. You know, you guys looked like a really solid team, and it scared me for this Wednesday. Um, so something kind of along that along that line. Uh, I was, another thing that I was kind of um, taken aback by, I saw that you guys are number 68 in tempo, at least, you know, according to Ken Palm. Um, Tulsa is 283rd, right? So two very different teams in terms of pace. 
Um, so it'll be interesting to watch those two very different styles go at each other on Wednesday. Uh, how do you think that the pace and the tempo has affected your season so far? Has it always been like that? Is that a recent development this year? Uh, and how do you think it will impact the game on Wednesday? I'll take it. Um, you now, I think early on, uh, like when Dave said, and we we're missing those um, those two guys in the backcourt, those Juco guards and Tremont Robinson-White and, and Tyree Jackson. And so we really wanted to get out and transition even more because we weren't very good in, in the half court. Um, but having having said that, we're we're not a team that's going to be scoring eighty eighty five points a game or anything like. And I know SMU um, coming into the game the other night or afternoon, I should say, was averaging close to eighty points. Um, so that was a game where we really wanted to to play it more um, in the upper sixties to low seventies, and we we're able to accomplish that, uh, winning seventy one sixty eight. So I think I think like you say, that's that's going to be. Uh, Probably that's the pace that the Pirates want to play at um, in the in the upper 60s to low 70s and and like Dave mentioned earlier, as far as the defense, the defense has improved significantly and, and against Coppin State and we gave up 85 points and a game I guess it was just prior to that against James Madison we gave up like in the mid 90s uh, something like that and so I, I think during the current stretch where we're six and one um, to even our record at eight and eight. Um, opponents are only shooting something like 38% in those seven ball games. So the de- the defense and the guys have balled in, and that's been uh, largely di- the difference in, in addition to uh, getting some more scoring production in addition to Jaden Gardner. Gotcha. Um, so this is this is Dooley's second year, Joe Dooley, um, the second year of his second stint as your all's head coach. Uh, how are fans taking to Coach Dooley? As of now, um, and has it like has it even changed since the beginning of the season after the you know two and seven start, uh, or have they been pretty consistent on how they feel about him all year? Well, you got your lunatic friends on the message boards that <laughs> were getting frustrated uh, about the two and seven start, and I was even questioning, uh, you know, how smart it was to bring in eleven new players and kick guys off the team, and mm-hmm. and, and tell guys to go find other places to play, and despite the talent because I just didn't see them coming together, because it didn't look like it. I, I knew the talent was there. Uh, I, I didn't think uh, they were ever going to come together this year. Uh, but when they started clicking, and hopefully it'll continue, you, you saw what the reason he brought those guys here. And uh, it seems the critics have shut up. Um, Dooley's well-liked. He's a guy that, that has won in the past um, at other places. He was, you know, one of the youngest head coaches in Division One basketball when he was here the first time in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think most fans have uh, have been patient with him. And um, now that they're starting to see some, some results, um, I think uh, I think next year will be the year for him where it'll be kind of not so much make or break, but we'll expect to have a winning season next year. Um, but, you know, as far as the fans, I think most fans have been uh, – relatively patient and uh starting to be pretty pleased with the results yeah i'd agree i would agree kyle and i think people underestimated um just the chemistry and the the importance of that and with 11 new pieces and uh, some of those guys are uh, a lot of them playing division one basketball for the first time or at least in a year or two on just getting to know one another and the communication aspect of the game and i think that was underestimated and um I mean, by the fans, and I think if you ask the coaches, they were probably a little surprised with the two and seven start for sure, but um, probably not nearly as much as um, those outside the program that had heard the hype all all season and just were so anxious for a winner. Right. Um, so yeah, the one of the last things I want to talk about, I want to talk about Jaden Gardner just a little bit more. I know we mentioned him a couple times already, but. Um, that guy, I want, first I want to hear, you know, I want to know if he was, was he a really highly touted guy out of high school uh, when he, when he, when you guys got him or was, or is he kind of developed on his own? And then after that, I also want to just know about his, you know, he was a, he was a big time guy last year, even as a freshman. Um, I think he was, was he freshman of the year last year? Actually, I believe he finished runner up to Alexis Yetna oh, yeah, out, no. of, yeah, uh, out, right. out of USF, who uh, unfortunately for, for him and the Bulls um, tore his ACL prior to the start of this season. Hated to hear that, but uh, 
Yeah, Jane Gardner. He's a guy. He's he's a guy from the uh, Raleigh area, um, and he certainly wasn't uh, extremely lightly recruited. But uh, but I, I don't know that he had a ton of offers either. And he's a guy. He just plays so hard. Um, when, when you watch him play, extremely high motor, so much energy, and um, that's certainly not to say that he doesn't have a lot of talent because he does. Um, but he certainly maximizes the talent um, that he does have and. He's a guy that if he does have a weakness, it's probably, you know, he's right there, right around 6'6", six, six, and some places you may see him list, listed at 6'7", but he's definitely not that tall. But um, just his his ability to knock down threes, he, he's only hit three or four threes this season, and those have come here recently. So he is improving in that regard, but his range is typically more like 15, 18 feet. And to add to that, he was Heritage High School at Wake Forest, uh, our previous coach, Jeff Lebo, uh, recruited him. Um, and certainly one of the questions that's always been is a problem, that obviously, with uh, with our our team is we get good players. And it's kind of almost like we're a minor league. Sometimes guys transfer. And that's a problem anywhere in the country with college basketball. For people that follow, they know that it's such an epidemic. But for him, uh, he made it very clear after last season he's staying here. He's the kind of guy that – I was telling the guys that he continues to do what he's doing and he stays all four years. He definitely will be a Hall of Famer for ECU. Uh, obviously, we've yeah. got um, a little over two more seasons to go for that, and that's a long way off. But um, he's that kind of guy. He's a guy that has really come in. I think he realizes that he has more of a chance to um, – he's one of those guys that has more of a chance to play a lot of minutes here at East Carolina and do something and have, have a chance, uh, if he wants to make the pros, he would, uh, whether it's overseas or even a shot at the NBA, he has it with us at East Carolina. If he goes to the Blue Bloods of ACC, um, he might be a third or four option. He might be a sixth man coming off the bench, potentially. Who knows? Um, but I, I think he knows. Not Jaden. Not Jaden, Dave. I, <laughs> I think even in the ACC at this point, he'd be a starter. Well, you would think so, but, I mean, you would think so. But, I, you know, ACC is totally a totally different game, and, I think that not really. Uh, it's still basketball. I know it is, but I'm just saying perception was. I'm saying perception was. Um, but anyway, he he's a guy that I think that uh, you can uh, obviously Dewey's building the team around. Dewey even talks about it going back to chemistry. They don't have uh, guys that can say this is the way you do it. Even with Jaden Gardner, he's done an excellent job of um, trying now to be a leader. Um, even though he's only been there one season or about a season and a half now. And then when you look at him, he's uh, all the accolades. I was looking at the school board on Saturday, and they did a nice job for the most part of keeping him uh, relatively in check. He had, uh, I think, about six and a half or so minutes ago, he had 14 points. I looked up at the scoreboard, and then all of a sudden, uh, he had those two free throws. I said, oh, my God, he's got 20, just like that. It was a quiet 20, or I don't know how many <laughs> points he ended up with, but it was just funny how – the guy is doing the intangibles. He's doing everything he possibly can. And Coach Dewey made a good point a couple of games ago at the press conference about this guy is really coachable. He's trying really hard. He's the guy that is a gym rat. He's there first at practice. He's the last one to leave. He's trying so hard to improve his game. And as Bubba mentioned, the fact that he had um, the three-point shooting is – I think, Bubba, didn't he only have two three-pointers last season? Yeah, and memory. even uh, e- even up through the first part of this season, it was something like he had hit two three pointers. And granted, he hadn't shot many because that's not his strength. But he had only knocked down two threes in like his first forty three games or something as a pirate. And then, he, like I said, he's hit three in the last three or four games. Yeah, we need more guys like Jaden. We need some more in-state North Carolina kids that are recruited you know, by other ACC schools, but besides Carolina, Duke, Wake, and NC State, that choose to come to East Carolina rather than going to play at Boston College or Georgia Tech. Uh, right. We need them to stay home and come to ECU, and uh, hopefully Billy can get that done. But, but, Ryan, to answer your question, as far as Jaden at the next level, and like and like I said, that's two and a half years off, um, but, mm-hmm. but um, as far as Jaden's concerned, that, Extending that shot out and becoming a better three-point shooter, and that's something he's definitely going to have to do in order to, to have a shot in the NBA. I, and just based on what you typically see, and because it, they're right there around 6'6", six, six, um, it's kind of a, at that level, he's 
kind of a guy that seemed like he may be a, a tweener without a position, but I would right. certainly expect him to um, to get an opportunity overseas, if nothing else, and um, I would certainly expect him to fare well um, because uh, with his work ethic and motor, uh, I wouldn't bet against him and it, just uh, so much positivity with Jaden Gardner. Yeah, I mean, he can't beat – he can't be in hard work. Like, we've got a guy right now, um, Shaq Harrison, who was on the team just a few years back, and he's on the Bulls now. And that guy has no – basically no jump shot, right? But he, the reason he's making it in the NBA is all – it's all hard work. He's, like, the hardest – he's the best defender on the team for the Bulls. They're up there. Uh, he made – I think he was either second team or he made the all-defensive team last year in the NBA. Um, that is all, Robinson made just, a career out of that. Exactly. Exactly. So you can you can get there, and I feel like, man, I love watching James Gardner. I'm excited for that game just to watch him again. Um, I love his game. I just love watching how hard he works, and that's always something that you know, it's a lot of guys just don't do it in college basketball anymore, and it's fun to watch when you got a guy like that who can do it. Yeah, like you're saying, Kyle, and Dennis Rodman, you would see four points, fifteen boards, and <laughs> yeah, you started wearing right. dresses. <laughs> True. Uh, okay, so the last thing, uh, my last question for you guys, I just want to know your take on the your kind of your strength, the biggest strength for the ECU team and the biggest weakness overall. Huh. I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take it. Um, as far as strengths, obviously, <laughs> well, we've been talking about him, Jaden Gardner, uh, and and uh, just everything he brings to the table. As far as weak- weaknesses, uh, undoubtedly our uh, three-point shooting. We did knock down 11 out of 28 threes, I think it was, against SMU, which was the second most we'd hit all season. I think that's only the second time we've hit at least 10 threes in a game. Uh, so most games we've hit four or five, maybe six threes. Um, so our, our perimeter game and just making sure we have um, that scoring production outside of Jaden Gardner and that – those are our biggest weaknesses. Cool. That makes sense. Uh, all right. Anything else you guys want to mention? Um, otherwise, I will send you off and ask where people can find you online and all that stuff. Well, no, I think we're good as far as where people can find us online to listen to the uh, show. Uh, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, Apple, uh, TuneIn, uh, Anchor, uh, where else, guys? SoundCloud, uh, YouTube, uh, most of our shows are posted there. Um, iHeartRadio, pretty much like Kyle's saying, if you can find podcasts there, you can probably find us. And on Twitter, you can follow us at the Sports OBJ on Instagram at the Sports Objective. And you can also like and follow us on Facebook. All right, very cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. Always a blast talking to you. Uh, enjoyed talking to you last time. Enjoyed it even more this time. So let's do it again. Uh, next time we play each other, and uh, let's have a good game on Wednesday. Sounds Absolutely. Good. We appreciate you having us on and look forward to catching up with you here in about a month. Yep, sounds good. Thanks, guys. Stay frothy. I'm golden, sorry. <laughs> Hurricast?